Welcome, everybody, to the Ride In NFL DFS podcast for week 13, a review edition and some Monday Night Football showdown slate talk. Was a very, very good week for me in DFS. A quick review of my cash game lineups. So, like I said on Friday, I believe it was, definitely going to go to cash game lineups this week, uh, and I did. The main one that I had about 67% of my bankroll on uh, included Andy Dalton, Christian McCaffrey, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Tyler Boyd, Sterling Shepard, Tyler Higby, and the Browns. And the second lineup that I had 33% of my bankroll on, which was kind of the, you know, like the optimal build, I noticed that it was, this lineup was duplicated a ton in contests. And this just goes to show you that, uh, you know, people probably aren't sharing lineups. Uh, this was just the lineup that most people arrived at when they plugged in their favorite plays, and that was Lamar McCaffrey, Fournette, Sanders, uh, Devontae Parker, Auden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Shepherd, Higby, and the Browns. So real quick, just what I saw in uh, some of these plays, and these are all the plays that I talked about for the most part. Uh, on the podcast on Friday. Obviously, we had to play Christian McCaffrey, despite the fact that he didn't get there, despite the fact that his usage was kind of weird in the second half. Um, playing him kind of didn't end up killing us because no other running back um, that was highly priced paid off, right? So Fournette only went for uh, 15 or 16. Barkley, same thing. Um, so McCaffrey was right in there. Now, if Fournette went for uh, 30 or Barkley or one of the other running backs that that was possible to pay up for went for 30 and McCaffrey only had 17 then it would have been an issue uh, but most of the builds had McCaffrey in it and he still ended up outscoring most running backs anyway from there I really thought that Andy Dalton was a great cash game play um, the fact of the matter is uh, when I looked through fansharesports.com's tags and if you click on a player you can see their player page and who is talking about them um Andy Dalton was mentioned but he was not really mentioned as a cash game play and I kind of heard it all week that you know he was risky etc at 4700 he really didn't have to do much and he played absolutely out of his mind for not having been on the field in a month um went for 275 and one which ended up being about 13 DraftKings points. And absolutely, and I hate when people bring up would-haves or could-haves or should-haves, but he absolutely should have had three touchdown passes. Um, they ran a bootleg throwback to C.J. Uzama. He didn't have a defender within 20 yards of him. Dalton dropped it right into his arms. It was one of those plays where, you know, the tight end fakes the block and then comes across the formation as everything else is flowing right, and Dalton threw back left, right through his arms, brutal. So like I said, I'm, I'm really not one to, you know, look back and say should have, could have, but Dalton really should have had about, um, you know, 5x on the day. Uh, other spots that, you know, mostly the lineup that, the two lineups that I played um, had a ton of overlap. They were, and I always tell you, guys that I play, the optimal lineup, you know, the lineup that I think is going to score the most points. I don't try to get cute. 
Um, when Jack Doyle went off in the one o'clock games, I thought I was in a little bit of trouble with Higby, but you know, the flowchart Cardinals defense comes through again. Um, Shepard and, and Adams, I wasn't really worried about uh, the weather, especially with no wind in New York. Um, I I can't lie and say that I was confident Miles Sanders was going to 4x his salary, but I did think that the matchup was right. And, you know, they were saying that they needed to feed him the ball a little bit more. And that worked out. Um, aside from that, though, everything else pretty much chalky for the most part. I really liked the Kansas City Chiefs defense and ended up playing them a lot in tournaments. Um, but I stuck with the Browns, which proved to be not the correct move. Although, um, you know, I would have had to change some things around to get up to the Chiefs in in the in those lineups. Um, so it worked out for the better, smashed in cash. In tournaments, I did really well. Uh, also, four for four, contrarian stacks article, my favorite was uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker. I actually had them in 33%. I had that stack in 33% of my tournament lineups that I made. So it ended up being a good day all around. Okay, so some lessons learned from this week. And I think the first thing we have to touch on is the weather. Um, Again, in my 4 for 4 article, the DraftKings breakdown, I updated it on Sunday morning. And the first line in the article reads, every time we overreact to weather, it turns out that we really didn't have to overreact to the weather. Uh, And to be honest, like there, there may have been some games where the weather impacted the quarterbacks. Like Jameis and Nick Foles didn't do as well as we thought. Um, but, you know, D.D. Westbrook had a good game. Um, and for the most part, the passing games were kind of mediocre. But I'm not sure if that was the weather or if that was just um, just variance rearing its ugly head. I thought that the game in New York was a great game to target. I mean, it was just supposed to be snowing, not much wind at all. Rodgers, Adams, Shepard, um, pretty much the entire Packers passing offense pretty much played well. Um, you know, Daniel Jones struggled a little bit, but uh, Shepard got there. He pretty much got there on one catch, um, which was probably a little bit lucky for us. Uh, but, you know, the weather really didn't have that much of an impact. It was overplayed, over uh, reported in Baltimore, like at kickoff. The reporters were standing on the field and it wasn't raining. There wasn't much wind. So I really wasn't afraid to play any. Uh, any of Lamar Jackson, especially since most of his uh, work was going to come on the ground, and we knew that anyway. Uh, speaking of which, the guy's amazing. He just has to be played going forward. He had 100 yards passing in one touchdown and still 4 x his salary. I don't know what in God's name the Niners were doing. Um, so when they run the read option, Lamar is supposed to read the defensive end, and if he crashes and follows the, the running back, then Lamar keeps it. If he stays put, Lamar gives it. So what was happening on almost every single play was the entire Niners defense was include the end that Lamar is reading and everybody else was crashing uh, towards Mark Ingram and crashing towards Gus Edwards, whoever the back was. Lamar had like five or six carries where no one was even looking at him. Like he's just a magician with the ball. 
And the fact of the matter is they know it's Lamar Jackson. Even if it looks like he doesn't have the ball, you have to account for him. So I think that was a mistake by the Niners. Literally five or six plays where he kept the ball and there was nobody. It was just green grass, picked up 20, 30 yards on those carries. And he ended up um, over 100 yards, 100-yard bonus and, and a score, which right there is almost 20 DraftKings points. So he's just a beast going forward. As long as the matchup is right, I think we should absolutely jam him in. Um, The reason that I had a hard time uh, getting to, or at least settling on that Lamar cash game lineup as my only lineup, was I thought that uh, Devontae Adams could could have broken the slate. And I didn't want to not play Adams. And the only way I could get Adams in my lineup was if I played Andy Dalton. Uh, so that's why I split it up between two cash game lineups. Luckily, they both came through. And the second lesson learned, I think, here is um, running back workloads. So I noticed that a lot of people were kind of duped on Jamal Williams and Ronald Jones in cash games. They were not even in consideration for me, um, mainly because they are, number one, in timeshares and Number two, it's been seen at certain points this year where um, their respective coaches uses the hot hand and completely goes away from them. Now, sure, could they be the one that is the hot hand and could they end up, you know, with the bulk of the carries and receptions that day? Sure, but that's not something that you want to bank on in cash. That's more of a tournament play. So if you look at the running backs that we've been playing all year, obviously Christian McCaffrey, et cetera, those studs. But even if you're looking at um, running backs that we play uh, that are somewhat uh, considered values, um, we're playing Jalen Samuels when he's the only healthy running back, right? We're playing Miles Sanders when he is getting 85% of the snaps. We're playing Latavius Murray when we know that Kamara is not there and he's going to get all the snaps. We're playing Wayne Gallman when Barkley's down and we know that Gallman's going to get all the snaps. If there's a chance that another running back is going to see half the carries, half the touches, or potentially become the hot hand and completely phase out that running back for the week, I'm just not going to play them in cash. So I think that's one thing that I took away from this week when I noticed that um, Jamal Williams and Ronald Jones were not not highly owned, but they, they definitely had a good chunk of ownership on them. Okay, that will do it for the lineup review and the lessons learned. Let's get into some showdown slate talk. And tonight we have the Vikings visiting Seattle. 50-point total, 2.5-point spread. Um, Some things to note, the Vikings have kind of tightened up their rotation um, of their, their skill players. So basically Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, uh, the two tight ends, Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, and then B.C. Johnson are playing about 80% or more of the snaps. The ancillary parts, um, like Alexander Madison, Laquan Treadwell, Amir Abdullah, those type of guys really have seen their snaps drop over the last game or two. So I think one of the things we should do today is not try to take any uh, one-offs or single bullets or dart throws from the Vikings. Sure, it's plausible. Um, and I actually think that maybe CJ Ham, their fullback, is a way to get different at 200. He's had two games um, in the past month or so with six or more DraftKings points just based on um, 
receiving work alone. You know, he has two games this year with four targets. And what they're going to do is they're going to, you know, set it up at the goal line, play fake to uh, Dalvin Cook, and then instead of kicking out an end, C.J. Ham's just going to creep into the flat and they're going to hit him with a touchdown pass. That is definitely possible. They run that play a lot, and I think um, he is in play at $200. But aside from him, aside from a dart throw on C.J. Ham. Um, I'm not going to have much Abdullah. I'm probably not going to have much Treadwell or even Madison. I'm going to keep it to um, Ola B.C. Johnson, Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, Kirk Cousins, and Stephon Diggs and Dalvin Cook. So basically what I'm saying is those those 200 $1,000, $2,000 players for the Vikings are not going to be um, heavily uh, weighted in my player pool. I will, however, be um, taking some dart throws with the Seahawks because they're uh, they have a pretty much, they have a much more spread out rotation um, of their pass catchers, right? So, you know, uh, guys on on the uh, Seahawks like uh, David Moore, Malik Turner, uh, Jacob Hollister at tight end, and uh, Josh Gordon even, they kind of rotate in a little bit more. So they'll be on the field, you know, 20, 30, maybe 40% of the snaps. Whereas everybody else on the Vikings um, kind of sees like 10 to 20% of the snaps and um, those main five see the bulk. And because that Vikings rotation is pretty tight, I think one of the things we can do is play Kyle Rudolph and Herb Smith together. Um, If they're going to be on the field both for 80% plus of the snaps, it's not as if they are eating into each other's snaps. And, you know, I don't know that the Vikings are scheming to have them both on the field again like they have the past few weeks, but I wouldn't see why not. Um, I think Irv Smith is a better player than Laquan Treadwell. He's a better player uh, than any of the other pieces that the Vikings could get on the field. So I, I like playing both Rudolph and Irv Smith in a lineup or two as a contrarian way to create a lineup. From there, uh, one of the things that I just want to remind you guys is when when you're creating lineups, just think of the correlation that's in play. So, you know, quarterbacks and running backs are mostly in this game going to get their points from touchdowns, right? So if Dalvin Cook's in the winning lineup, he's probably going to have scored one or two touchdowns. Uh, if Kirk Cousins is in the winning lineup, he's probably going to have thrown for two or three touchdowns. And if that's the case, their kicker, probably the Vikings kicker, probably isn't going to have had uh, a ton of success. So in lineups where you are rostering kickers, just be careful of how much um, quarterback and running back exposure you have in those lineups with kickers. What's going to happen is if the kicker has a, a big game, what I've noticed is that normally the, it's wide receivers that are uh, mostly paired up in those games with their teammate kickers. And that makes sense, right? A, a wide receiver can go f- 9 for 110 um, and crush for 23 DraftKings points, but never get into the end zone. And then I think the last way we can get contrarian tonight is to be a little bit overweight on either Chris Carson or Tyler Lockett. So the narrative around the Seahawks is that Rashad Penny is going to get a bigger workload because he had a pretty good week last week. And also that uh, Tyler Lockett's banged up. You know, he's only had like three targets in his last two games. He's been hurt. 
um, been in and out of the hospital uh, two games ago, etc., and hasn't really produced over those last three weeks. So, I mean, we have Tyler Lockett, who's gone for 40-plus DraftKings points twice this year. We have Chris Carson, who has seen, you know, 20-plus carries um, in half of his games this year. Two players that are probably going to be underweight relative to their ceiling. Now, on a on a showdown slate, is Chris Carson or Tyler Lockett going to be under 10%? No. And there's not that many players to pick from on the showdown slate. So, like, you're you're pumped if you see, like, 20% ownership on a player that you think is really going to crush and you have a lot of because uh you know that's kind of low owned for these slates but I think having uh, a little bit of Tyler Lockett a little bit of Chris Carson probably not together um I'm not saying that you have to you know put in a rule that if Tyler Lockett's in in your lineup that Chris Carson's not but um I would not have them overlap in a large portion of my lineups so that'll do it, guys. Um, just a quick recap of the showdown contrarian thoughts. Uh, I think we can take a dart throw on CJ Ham in a lineup or two. Uh, but from there, I'm going to really tighten up on my Vikings players because their snaps have really tightened up. Um, the big five, Dalvin Cook, uh, Kyle Rudolph, Stefan Diggs, old BC Johnson, Irv Smith, and then, of course, their quarterback, Kirk Cousins, are kind of playing the vast majority of the snaps, right? They're not rotating in many ancillary pieces. So I think I will stay off those pieces for the most part. Um, and I will actually do the opposite with the Seahawks and, you know, take stabs at some of their ancillary pieces, Jacob Hollister, Malik Turner, Josh Gordon, because they are doing the opposite of what the Vikings are doing and rotating in their receivers a bit more. I think it's possible to play both Vikings tight ends um, since they're on the field so often together. Both Rudolph and Irv Smith uh, could be put into the same lineup to be a little bit contrarian. I don't think a lot of people that you know aren't running 150 lineups at least, if they're just doing 20 max or 3 max, they're probably not going to click on Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph in the same lineup as they're both tight ends. And it's absolutely possible that, you know, Kirk Cousins throws three touchdowns tonight and all three of them go to a combination of Rudolph and Irv Smith. And then the last way to get contrarian is, I think, to be overweight in your player pool on two Seahawks that have kind of a negative narrative around them right now. And that's um, the injured and ill Tyler Lockett and the currently seeding snaps to Rashad Penny, Chris Carson. So I think Lockett and Carson, um, you know, their ceilings are are massive and they've had down weeks. We saw Chris Carson come back with a vengeance the last time Penny kind of stole his thunder earlier in the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Lockett or Carson had a big game and I think they will be under own relative to a showdown slate and relative to their potential ceiling. That will do it for the Week 13 Review and Monday Night Football Showdown pod. I hope everybody had a solid Week 13. I will talk to you on Thursday for the Week 14 Rundown.